Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, let's go. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour, everybody, on the Super Talk Radio Network. We're glad you're with us around the state this afternoon, wherever you're tuned in. Even if you're tuning in online, we're glad to have you this afternoon, and we've got a good show for you. All right, we're going to continue our tour of new conference schools today. We're going to be talking in just a moment to Kevin Davis at Coastal Carolina University. A little later in the show, David Cohen from Georgia State uh, University as we continue to introduce uh, you, our listeners, uh, to the new schools in the Sunbelt Conference. Opening segment of the show is sponsored every day by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, a great place to take your family, a great place to cater your business event or your church event or whatever special occasion you may have coming up. The guys at Dickies do a great job of catering. Uh, they've catered baseball for us for the last several years, and uh, Luke Johnson can attest to. Luke, it's always good up there in the baseball suite, isn't it? Absolutely. You and uh, we should thank the people who whose suite we go into, and uh, for all that they mix it up: brisket, ribs, pulled pork. Here in Laurel, uh, Dickies place to go as well. Great. All story. right, uh, broadcasting today from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg in Laurel. We've got. Uh, Kevin Davis on the show with us, who's the assistant AD for media relations at Coastal Carolina University. And, uh, Kevin, we're happy to have you on the Eagle Hour. Well, thank you guys for taking taking the time to talk to us up here. Well, we have uh, had a great time uh, introducing our listening audience around the state to the new universities in the Sunbelt. Kind of give us the lay of the land of Coastal Carolina, the uh, – you know, the heritage of the school, the big majors uh, that you guys enjoy, and uh, kind of an overview of your university. Yeah, so we are located um, in Conway, South Carolina, which is right next to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So we like to, to say that we are right here at the beach. Um, so it, it's really fun. Uh, like right now, it's 88, nice breeze outside, and uh, campus is pretty much dead because a lot of people are at the beach. So, um, But we are uh, ex- you know, right on the coast. We're kind of right in the middle now of the, the new Sunbelt uh, footprint with um, the, the schools up in Virginia being added as well as you guys and um, down in the south and, and moving closer towards the southeast. And, and we're excited about uh, all the new teams joining. We, we actually are a very young school. We opened up in 1954 uh, and was uh, part of the South Carolina school system. And when we broke away from the University of South Carolina in 1993, uh, we kind of became our own institution, and hence the the Chanticleer mascot staying kind of to the roots of the South Carolina Gamecock mascot, but uh, our own twist to it. 
Always interesting uh, to know the size of schools compared to uh, Southern Miss. What is the enrollment at Coastal Carolina? So we are about 10,400, a little over. Um, we have drastically jumped the last couple of years in our enrollment, and um, you know a lot of athletics has to do with that. Our success with football has, has been huge the last couple of years. This is actually uh, going to be our largest freshman class uh, coming in this, this fall that we've ever had. Um, so that's an exciting time around here. All right, Luke, get in here with uh, Kevin. Kevin, thanks so much for being on the show today. And uh, what you mentioned about how you know you guys excited about the the Virginia schools and, and Southern Miss coming in. We on the Eagle Hour, and we've been kind of asking this to everybody from the Sun Belt that's been coming on. I mean, we we feel like this is going to be uh, the best Group of Five football um, you know conference, and it probably is right now, but but will in in a couple years for sure. But I mean, everybody knows your school from not only what football's been doing, but baseball, and and we feel like this is. This is going to be a top three baseball league when it's all said and done. I mean, it's pretty amazing how good the Sun Belt was and then adding a couple more of these schools is going to take it over the top. Oh, you're exactly right. Like, I actually do baseball as well here, and I remember sitting down with Coach Gilmore Gilly, and when all this came about, he said, man, everybody's forgetting about baseball. We're adding some really good programs here. This is going to be a really, really good conference. And, you know, last year, you know, we had Georgia Southern ranked. You guys were ranked. Uh, in the past two years, um, you know, Old Dominion and we have been ranked. I mean, it's going to be a, a lot of good baseball in the spring as well. Um, what what has been Coastal Carolina's impression of Sunbelt leadership? We're coming out of Conference USA where it was lacking um, in, in a lot of areas. It just seems like Keith Gill has a great name throughout the Sunbelt Conference. Yeah, we, we are very pleased. Um, you know, we, we joined just in, um, 17 was our first year. So we kind of got a little bit of, uh, Carl Benson before and then, and then Keith kind of took over. And we're really pleased with what is happening with all the realignment going on and everybody going now. You know, you're going to have to go cross country to play a lot of teams. We really like the fact that we've kind of kept it, uh, more regional. I mean, I think, honestly, I think we're probably one of the most, uh, more regional uh, conferences in the group of five and also even in the power five. And, and we like that because we like to be able to have our fans travel to, to all kinds of events and games. Um, and, and by being close to most of our opponents, uh, that makes it a lot easier for them, especially our parents of our student-athletes. Kelly? And, and the, there's, there is a Southern Miss tie to Coastal Carolina already in the fact that your head football coach knows our Southern Miss athletic director very, very well. Kind of educate us. Yes, so he was, uh, he, uh, Coach Tadwell was at Delta State for a year and he was hired there by your, uh, Southern Miss AD. So, um, so they actually have some ties and, and I know they, uh, have probably kept in touch over the years. And, um, uh, I know, uh, Coach Tadwell enjoyed his time at Delta State and, and when he left there, he just had a chance to get back to the school that got him, uh, started in his career in coaching at Charleston Southern. And, uh, um, so yeah, it's, it's a small world. And talk about, talk about, uh, a Cinderella story, if that phrase isn't used too much. Your baseball program, you talked about you know, how young the school is overall, and in just a few short years you emerge as the national champions of college baseball. Good heavens, what is, what's been the after effect? It's, it's been fun. I mean, uh, you know, baseball can't go under the radar anymore like they used to. And, um, you know, there's, uh, everybody knows the, the teal now when you, when you go out there um, in your teal. Everybody knows that it's coastal and, and they may not know right away that it's coastal Carolina, but they recognize the, the Sean head logo now. And, um, that made us a national name for sure. And then 
football the last couple of years has kind of piggybacked on that, and, and it's been huge. Academically, like, if you're going to go to Southern Miss, you know, the, the big thing at Southern Miss is polymer science. Probably, if we had to, if we had to pick one, what's what's the the torch carrying major at Coastal Carolina? Well, we have we have a very good science program um, and a very good business program. But the one that really gets people, like if you're gonna if you're going to do marine science and marine biology, this is the place. Because obviously, we live uh, right next to the beach. You get to go out in the water and, and study, uh, you know, hands on stuff. It's not just doing it in a lab. Um, so marine science is, is really big here, and we have the Wall School of Business, which is uh, nationally recognized as well. So so very uh, good uh, business department here as well. Well, Southern Miss shares that in a sense, is, is they have a pretty big uh, program down on the Gulf Coast, uh, research, mm-hmm. bolts, uh, research boats uh, purchased by one of our famous alumni, Jimmy Buffett. So we do uh, – we do share that uh, that marine science uh, with you. I got to tell you, Kevin, your football team the last couple of years has been. I think uh, I, I'm kind of a. I I prefer to watch a game like uh, Louisiana and Coastal Carolina myself over Kentucky and Florida. I just don't have a lot of interest in that. I and I find in, in watching the brand of college football, I enjoy that Coastal has been one of the most entertaining teams in the country the last couple of years. Yeah, it's one of those things I joke and I laugh with our with our head coach, Coach Chadwell, all the time. You know, sometimes he he makes me a little nervous being the, the media contact because they have so much fun that sometimes you're like, hey, okay, like, like let's reel it back a little bit. You know, let's don't <laughs> let's don't show this, the the celebrations in the uh, locker room and and all that as much because now we're going to get blown up and 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 get ridiculed. But uh, coach, coach, uh, in our philosophy is. is is love one another and love each teammate and have fun. And when you have fun, it makes things seem to go a lot easier and a lot better. And, and they're going to work hard, and we work hard at, at getting better every day. But you got to enjoy the process and enjoy the ride. Uh, I think the Golden Eagles come there this year. Is that not correct, Kevin? Yes, sir. We'll host you guys on November twelfth, so near the end of the season. And, and what will what will what will our fans that make that trip find when they get there? Kind of put it in a nutshell. The uh, the atmosphere, the the mojo, so to speak, uh, at your home football stadium. Well, the first thing they'll find is that our teal, our turf is teal. Um, we have teal turf. Uh, we call it the surf turf. So that is a very unique thing. It's one of a kind, and so that's the first thing that everybody uh, <laughs> mentions and comments on when they when they come here. And then the second thing is we have a pretty live crowd. Um, the last couple of years, especially after COVID, um, we we tend to fill up our stadium pretty well. And but it's a great atmosphere. It's a college atmosphere, um, but also it's it's usually uh, produces some some pretty good games. And usually we have pretty good weather in November. Um, you know, just like down there, it's, it's, there's not going to be any snow or anything. It's going to be more or less uh, in the in the high 50s and 60s and, and be nice outside. And you can take a trip to the beach before and after the and game. And you can get it. Like that's right. That. And we have plenty of restaurants. I mean, we got it all here in, uh, in Myrtle Beach. Kevin, we appreciate it very much, man. We look forward to our, our pending relationship with Coastal Carolina University. Thank you, guys, and we're glad you guys are part of the Sunbelt. All right. Kevin Davis, everybody, Assistant AD for Media Relations, Coastal Carolina University, the Chanticleers. Yes, it Sean, is. Yes. not Shan, like Sean. I said earlier. Yeah, oh, the Chanticleers. Chanticleers. Yeah. Chanticleers. The Chanticleers. That's right. Uh, all right. We'll be back.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Eagle Hour back on the road. Tomorrow, Kelly and Michael Merkins will be down at Ramey Motors in Purvis. We always enjoy our visits down there and uh, look forward to that. Uh, that show tomorrow afternoon uh, from Purvis. Coach Scott Berry will be joining us on the show tomorrow, and uh, we'll be talking to him about all things baseball. But the one thing, Luke, that just strikes me is uh, this latest news from the NCAA. Now there's a proposal that will allow kids to transfer as many times as they like, year in, year out, with really no restrictions at all, uh, just wholesale free agency in a sense. And You know, as a, as a fan, I, I look back and, and I, I tell myself – it appears to me that the NCAA has some objective that I don't understand. What could possibly be the objective of just turning uh, college athletics into the wild, wild west the way they're doing? So so basically what, what's happening before we get into to the take on it. So this is what's going on. So the transportation or the transformation, not portation, formation. The transformation committee of the NCAA um, passed on some proposals to the D1 Council uh, they they endorse those, and so this will go to the Division One Board of Directors next month for adoption. So the, the biggest thing in this release from the NCAA, the council endorsed, this is from an article in NCAA.com, the council endorsed a concept that would eliminate the blanket rule of prohibiting transferring more than once. The concept would also implement transfer portal, quote, entry windows, End quote, or periods of time in which student athletes must provide their school with written notification of transfer to be eligible to compete immediately uh, the following academic year. So the second part of that is something that we've been saying, you know, for for several months. Like you can't hold out to the last second. Um, you know, kind of what we saw with with the Waldrop situation. Baseball's accelerated anyway, uh, but so so they're going to take off take off the ability to only transfer once. But I mean. I can I don't like that, but I'm thankful that they're putting, you know, underneath they're protecting athletic programs. Uh, but Bob, I don't see um, I don't see, and I was talking to somebody about this earlier. I don't see how a move like this is going to come to the place where athletic departments are basically going to make student athletes sign contracts, or there's going to be some punishment because you're basically now we're creating where a kid doesn't have to be loyal to a school. Um, but the school still, you know, has to take him on or, or, or pay for him. And I get the fact that the scholarships are renewable on a yearly basis. I get that. At the same time, schools and athletic departments, because there's a lot of money on the line, they're going to have to protect themselves in some way, shape, or form as well. But I, but I don't see this really being too big of a problem, and here's why. If I'm a coach... And there's a there's a prospective athlete that wants to to come to my program, and this will be his third transfer in three years. I'm not taking him. I'm not either. I, I'm not either. First of all, if he's of Division One caliber, he'd be playing at one of the two schools he was originally at. All right. If he, if this is his third school in three years, it would certainly raise from red flag some red flags. Is he is, is his character not very good? Is he a very good teammate? You know, what went on that would lead you to transfer two different times? So, again, on the extreme end, I, I don't see it really being that big of a problem. Here, here's a couple more instances. So, on the, on the actual, like, transfer window, for winter and spring sports, 
Students could provide written notification of transfer the day after NCAA championship selections in that sport for 60 calendar days. So for winter and spring, as soon as the national championship gets played, you can, from that point on, for the next 60 days, you have to provide it. Um, the first window would be for 45 days, beginning the day following, and the second would be from May 1st to May 15th. There's some more stuff about financial aid. If basically you take on a, a student that transfers in, you have to continue to provide them financial aid. You can't just drop them. Um, unless they go to another school or enter a professional draft. So I'm going to go back to my original question to both of you guys, and I'll start with you, Kelly. What is the objective here? I think it's just uh, they're, they're looking at things as this is the free enterprise system. This is capitalism at, at its finest. You know, if professional athletes can do it, why shouldn't amateur athletes be able to do it? I, I think that's what it all comes down to. And Luke, you agree? Yeah, I mean – they they're they're having to force their hand. I mean, what the reason for all this, you know, stuff, the, this quick evolution of the way the NCAA is, is because of steps they did not take in the past. And so now, every decision the NCAA makes, I believe, from now on, basically, is in the Power Five's best interest for the simple reason that the Power Five doesn't need the NCAA, and the NCAA needs the Power Five. Yeah. Yesterday afternoon, I'm at the gym and I'm watching uh, TV while I'm, you know, walking on a treadmill. And I see this headline that says Texas Tech University has decided to use its likeness money to provide $25,000 per player for every member of their football roster, as opposed to individual players making more money. So, Kelly Sander, now educate me because I'm a simple guy. Doesn't that make Texas Tech a professional football team? But it's no different, Bob, than Oklahoma, who's doing the you know the exact same thing. And Oklahoma, a professional football team. But here's but here's the problem with it. This is what's going to happen now is, and I know why they're why schools like Oklahoma and Texas Tech are doing it because the offensive linemen and defensive linemen aren't aren't sexy, right? They don't get interviewed a whole lot. You never hear from those guys, making them less marketable. The, the guys that, get, that, that would get all the image and likeness money would be the wide receiver, the quarterback, you know, the linebacker. Punters. You know, well, in Luke's case, of right, course. Right. But those would be the guys that would naturally get more money thrown at them. So in this soccer mom mentality where everybody gets a medal – they're going to try to make this thing even, and it's not going to work because, you know, if a wide receiver at Texas Tech's going, wait a minute, I can get more than that. So I'll transfer. Yeah, well, that that could be. But I'm just saying um, it just opens up another, another and, can of worms. And one of the other reasons, too, for, for this, too, you remember, I mean, specifically like Justin Fields, and there was a few more other guys that from more high-profile schools that transferred and got immediate eligibility. You, you remember, uh, you know, three years ago, four years ago, before right. they they kind of made the you had to be like a hardship or whatever, right? And they they did those in such a way where it was pretty obvious if you play for a high profile program, you're going to be able to play immediately. And so then they changed that rule. Well, this is coming because of that. So the NCAA um, is due all the criticism that they get from this, as they are called, and their their calling is to regulate and oversee college sports, which they don't do. And they have 
they so they're in this pickle because of themselves. The problem is the NCAA is going to get theirs no matter what. It's it's hurting everybody else like us. Uh, well, I'm probably the minority here. I'm of the opinion that if you're a college athlete and you're getting that kind of money, then pay your own damn tuition. I think that I think that's fair. Yeah, but but then again, the athletes would say, "Well, my my tuition at Vanderbilt is a lot more than it is at mm-hmm. Southern Miss." But you chose Vanderbilt. Yeah, but right. I mean, Vanderbilt was sports. I mean, like baseball, they can fully scally their whole baseball team, and they do that, and it's because of the private schools. So it's just terrible. Yeah, um, I, I think I mean I, that, that's worth a look, Bob, um, because I <clears throat> when you're a student athlete, the reason that you're you're getting rewarded with free tuition is because what you do on the athletic correct that's correct and if and and i mean on top of that the the thing nobody wants to talk about forever and we're beating dead horses i get it is i mean when i play dude like one of my teammates went out and bought a car after he got his pell grant money in i mean nobody thinks about you know what they have we we in a sense did get paid um, be, and f- with different benefits and, and other things, you know that that mm-hmm. were legal in the NCAA. Anyway, to your point, yes, these are these are semi-pro athletes, and I just wonder, you know, how the Miami quarterback is going to respond when he gets his tax bill off his ten million dollar right. nil deal. And that causes him to rethink it. And if you don't think that four years of tuition, room, books, all that is a, a lot of money, then pay your child's tuition, room and board books for four years and tell me if college athletes are being compensated no this is all this is all just on a collision course you all know that i mean there there has to be an end to this and i think the the ultimate end will be good for schools like southern miss and central michigan and toledo and you know the rest the rest of us uh in that it will force the power three or whatever it's going to ultimately wind up being to put on their own dance and then the smaller schools can put on their own dance and, and yeah, play for a, a championship. Exactly right. I think that's exactly right. All right, coming up on the show, David Cohen from Georgia State. Kelly Sander, here's your trivia question of the day. The Georgia State what? Panthers. Wow. Hmm. And, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, when Georgia State uh, created its football program, former Alabama coach Bill Curry yeah. was the first coach. I think at Georgia State, we'll we'll get that. Exactly right. Hey, um, Cohen's going to be a good interview, guys. Went into the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. He's been doing this at uh, Georgia State for forty years. And man, they're just just a couple blocks away from Georgia Tech. So there's a lot of smart guys walking around, uh, young men and women walking around downtown Atlanta. Eagle Hour coming to you today from the Southern Bank Corps Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Southern Bank Corps in Midtown Hattiesburg. Great place for you to do your banking. Also want to thank Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net for all they do. Tell Miss Kathleen the next time you're down there, the guys on the Eagle Hour said hello. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast heard every day on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Tune in, or you could just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour, and we're glad that uh, 
we can bring the program to uh, Southern Miss listeners all across the country. Quick shout out to uh, my dear friend Larry Warren, Warren Warren Asphalt. Had lunch with that gentleman today. One of the great businessmen here in South Mississippi. One of the kindest people I've ever known. Uh, let's um, allows my wife and I to share Southern Miss baseball with he and his family every year, and uh, just a wonderful man. And so, thanks for lunch, Larry. And uh, always, uh, always fun to spend time with you. David Cohen is the voice of the Georgia State Panthers, his 40th year, a member of the Georgia Radio Hall of Fame, uh, entered that in 2017, and our guest this afternoon on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Uh, we're glad to have you, Dave, and uh, tell us, give us an overview of Georgia State University, please, sir. Well, it's the largest university in the state of Georgia, somewhere around 53, 54,000 students, you know, main campus right in the middle of downtown Atlanta, about four blocks from, uh, you know, CNN Center and about a block or two from the state capitol. And, um, you know, really, when I say up and coming, uh, it's his, historically it was a commuter campus. You know, again, you know, where do you build massive amounts of dorms in downtown Atlanta? But, you know, the campus and the university have been transitioning over the last, I'll say, 10 to 15 years. Uh, we'll, we'll call it post-96 Summer Olympic Games. Uh, Georgia State now has um, probably just under 10,000 living on campus downtown. And the one thing we had never done up until uh, 2010 was play football. It had always been a, you know, a men's basketball, baseball, women's basketball-dominated athletic scene. And so football came on the scene in, uh, in 2010, and so now Georgia State is, uh, you know, in the business of playing catch-up when it comes to uh, student housing and, and playing football and offering students what we'll call that traditional experience. And, uh, you know, Georgia State football is definitely on the rise uh, now that we have our own facility. The first few years we played in the old Georgia Dome, which doesn't exist anymore. It's now a lot right next to the brand-new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And uh, But Georgia State took over the old Atlanta Braves facility and the Summer Olympic Games Olympic Stadium, which is now known as Center Park Stadium. We've played in there since 2017, and, uh, you know, it's, we're about to open an 8,000-seat basketball arena-convocation center uh, next month. So things are definitely happening around here, uh, both athletically and uh, really at all, at all parts of the university. Well, once you decided to get into the football business, you didn't waste time in going out and getting a big-time football name. And uh, Bill Curry, former Alabama coach, was uh, enlisted to get that program started. Wow, what a splash. It really was. You know, he became, along with our then head basketball coach, Ron Hunter, the two of them became the face of athletics. And, you know, for lack of a, you know, better, they became kind of the face of, of Georgia State, I guess, along with our then president. Uh, but, yeah, Coach Curry was uh, really, when you think about it, his wife has two degrees from Georgia State. He was living in Atlanta. He was doing ESPN, obviously. Uh, but, you know, he had the itch to get back into coaching and you know, coaching can be a challenge no matter where you are. And, you know, when, when I see him now, we always hearken back to one of the early photos taken of him on the 10th floor in the building on 75 Piedmont, which is just across the street from where I sit right now. And the picture was of him sitting in a chair in front of a whiteboard holding a football. They didn't have the first shoulder pad. They didn't have the first anything. And um, when we looked and talk about it now, 
dating back to that picture and where football is right now, having you know won two straight bowl games, been in a bowl game for the last five years, playing in its own stadium now, the old Turner Field, now Center Park Stadium. A lot has happened in a relatively short amount of time with regards to Georgia State football. You know, the first two years were FCS independent. All of our other sports at the time were in the Colonial Athletic Association. We ended up playing one year of CAA football, and then the phone call came, I guess, from the uh, Sunbelt Conference, of which Georgia State was a charter original member back in the mid-'70s, but only stayed in the league for about five, six years. But the invitation came to to rejoin the Sun Belt, albeit with football. And um, so the decision was made to quickly jump into the FBS level at the Sun Belt level. And uh, again, those first few years, we were playing catch-up with regards to uh, the, the football game and the, and the opponents that we were playing. But I think that uh, we have finally caught up. Um, you know, we've, seen, we've had the Bill Curry. Uh, he was here for five years, but only on the, on the field for three uh, Trent Miles was here for uh, four years, and then Sean Elliott came from South Carolina and has done a fantastic job uh, putting the Georgia State football program on solid ground. And, you know, we open up September 3 at South Carolina, and then week two we play our home opener against North Carolina. So we're going to find out pretty quickly uh, where we stand here in 2022. But going, but going into the commercial break, I, I I joke that there's a lot of smart kids walking around downtown Atlanta because geographically, you guys are not that far from Georgia Tech, are you? Uh, about four miles, maybe four or five miles. Uh, we're going to play them in 2024 and again in 2026. We just recently started playing them in basketball. Uh, but interestingly enough, other than you know, some of your other sports like baseball, softball, so on and so forth, you know, men's basketball, again, up until the last couple of years, had not played them on a regular basis. And obviously we've never played them in football, but we will again in 2024. But yeah, we're about four miles. And then, of course, the University of Georgia, uh, up 85 to 316. No traffic is about an hour and a half from downtown Atlanta on a good day. All right, Luke, get in here. Dave, thanks so much for coming on. i got a couple questions. First and foremost, to, to follow up with basketball, we, we've talked to several guys from the Sun Belt. Really hadn't, really hadn't talked basketball too much, knowing that you cover that sport. What's the Sun Belt been like in basketball? Uh, you know, the Sun Belt has been a pretty good basketball league. You know, we won it last year uh, or this past season, and, you know, we had that game against Gonzaga out in Portland. We lost in the finals two years ago down in Pensacola. A hot shooting Appalachian State in the second half beat us. You know, the thing that worries me a little bit about basketball, and this is just me personally, we're now at 14 teams. You know, we lose Arkansas, Little Rock, we lose UT Arlington, we bring in Southern Miss, Old Dominion, James Madison, Marshall. The thing that worries me about it, not not just for me or Georgia State, but for everybody, it's a one-bid league right now. So you got a 1-14 in 14 chance uh, with regards to getting that NCAA bid. So there's very little room for error, a uh, little margin for error when it comes to, uh, you know, when you get to where you're playing down the stretch and looking forward to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament and getting down to Pensacola. As, again, as we found out two years ago, we led that uh, game two years ago at halftime. App State had a really outstanding shooting second half, and, you know, our season came to an end, unfortunately. Um, luckily, we were able to bounce back this past season uh, and, and reach the NCAA tournament. But it's it's a good basketball league. Historically, we've been good. 
Louisiana, Lafayette, or Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns have been pretty good. UT Arlington, uh, up until a year or two ago, you know, had a loaded roster. Actually, we kept them out of the NCAA tournament two years in a row. So, you know, it's it's been a it's it's been a pretty good league. There's, you know, everybody has been pretty competitive. I know it's kind of cliche-ish to say it. There's not really been any bottom feeders per se, and you know you got to be ready to lace it up and uh, and play you know to your best effort every single night. There's really no game on that schedule that I look at and say, yeah, I'll pencil that in as a W. Yeah, um, I, I don't do that you know anymore with regards to Sunbelt Conference play when we get there. About ninety seconds left. What has been the Georgia State uh, perspective or response? To the uh, to conference realignment with these four new schools, including Southern Miss, coming in. Well, again, speaking selfishly, I mean uh, that Sun Belt East is no joke. Is uh, you know you guys see it from over on the western side, but you know how about being in a division with Appalachian State, who we've yet to beat in what eight tries, seven or eight tries since they've joined the league. Throw in Georgia Southern, our rival. No matter how good they are, or how, you know even if they're struggling, it's a tough game. Coastal Carolina won 11 games last year. Now you add in Marshall, you add in James Madison, who, as you know, was in the finals of the uh, uh, semifinals of the the FCS playoffs. I mean, again, it's it's a it's a stacked division. I'm sure that you know they're looking at us too. You know, we're kind of an up and coming program as far as being, you know, competitive, and you know, and a team that can cause problems on a week in week out week in week out basis. Uh, that's the thing that I notice about it, bringing in the four teams. You guys are over in the West. We're going to see you this year on November 5, but, you know, we've got our hands full with the Sun Belt East. All right, Dave, we want to thank you very much. We're going to bring you back on the show, if you're willing. Uh, we'll get a little closer to that game uh, between Southern Miss and Georgia State, and uh, we want to thank you for taking the time to uh, share that information with us today on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Well, I appreciate it. Anytime, just let me know. Dave Cohen, everybody, voice of the Georgia State Panthers. Uh, tomorrow, Danny Reed, voice of Georgia Southern. Kelly, the nickname? The Eagles. He'll be on the show along with Southern Miss baseball coach Scott Berry. We'll be broadcasting from Ramey Motors uh, in Purvis tomorrow. I want to thank Fourth uh, Street Bar Grill for sponsoring that interview. Great place to have lunch. Five days a week, nine ninety-five. I'm sure they got some cool stuff going on this weekend. Check them out. They're right in the shadow of the rock, 4th Street Bar and Grill. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. Good times today talking to Kevin Davis from Coastal Carolina University and Dave Cohen from Georgia State. If you missed those interviews, go back and listen on demand at supertalk.fm or search for the Supertalk Eagle Hour on a plethora of podcast platforms. I just pulled a triple P right there, guys. How about plethora that? Yes. of podcast platforms. That's what we call alliteration. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, and I almost did it, Bob. I'm missing one of them. Tune in. Tune in. There we go. Anyway, you can uh, listen to those. And, and I'm, I'm thankful 
we're talking to these guys. Just like uh, Dave Cohen said, it's Georgia Southern, who you guys will be talking to Friday. That's their arch rival, and, and finding some of these rivalries yesterday with James Madison, renewing the rivalry with Old Dominion. Good stuff. Excited about the Sun Belt. Luke, Bob, and Kelly from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, fourth segment as always, brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. All right, going back to Coastal, um, a couple news and notes. So my former teammate, Skylar McGee, who played defensive lineman at, at Southern Miss was an All American in uh, in freshman All American in two thousand one. He's actually he's entering his fourth season as the defensive line coach uh, at Coastal Carolina. So not just uh, Jamie Chadwell with Southern Miss connections through Jeremy McLean, but but one of our former uh, my former teammates, uh, their their D line coach. All right, Hunter Riggins yesterday, guys, signs a free agent deal with the Atlanta Braves. So congratulations to him. Um, I mean, I, I feel I feel good about that. I mean, I'm, I've he didn't get drafted, uh, probably because you know the fifth year transfer. But but Kelly, I mean, you know, we've seen what what Walker Powell has has been doing with the Cubs, and you know these guys just need a need a chance. And that's why sometimes money doesn't even make that you know, isn't that big of an issue. Because and good, yeah, like you say, good for him because that's all they ever want is an opportunity. And here's here's uh, his chance. Working on getting additionally from the Sun Belt, uh, Barry McKnight from Troy, as well as uh, somebody from App State and Louisiana Monroe. All right, um, media days next week, next Tuesday and Wednesday uh, for uh, the Sun Belt Conference. Keith Gill uh, was actually on a South Alabama radio show um, the other day and said, quote, leading up to media days, there's going to be some type of announcement um, concerning a, a new media rights deal for the Sun Belt. Um, indicated it would be positive news. Uh, also said that they're they're working on getting six, adding another uh, bowl slot up to up to six, and could possibly have you know like a substitution slot where the Sun Belt could maybe get seven teams in in bowl games. So be on the watch for that. Um, I think this present deal they still got two or three years left on it. I could be wrong on that, but that's exciting, something to work out. And then we're going to try to get you know when when media days kind of clears, Bob, try to get uh, Keith Gill, commissioner of the Sun Belt, our new commissioner on the Eagle Hour. Yeah, I want to ask him about the baseball tournament that's in Huntsville right now, but one year, I understand, left on the contract. They play the basketball tournament in Pensacola. There is no cooler place on the planet to play baseball than the Blue Wahoo Stadium in downtown Pensacola. What do you think the chances, Kelly, that they would want to have both of their major postseason tournaments in the same city? Well, the one common thread between those two cities that you mentioned is there's no there's no school. There's no school, no Sunbelt school that's in either one of those cities. So they can certainly claim that it is a unbiased, you know, neutral site and fair for everybody. Why not? I mean, I think the Southern Miss people. And again, on this program, we've been critical of the university when we when we felt we had to be. But man, the, the all of the guys at Southern Miss, they pulled off this regional and super regional and back to back and all the work. Man, it went off without a hitch. So I think Southern Miss has proven that it can handle tournaments like this. Why not at Southern Miss if they're going to go to you know a different campus? Georgia well, Southern hosted a regional this well, year. Well, and another reason to move the baseball tournament to Pensacola, it's just a very short drive to the Fish House, so you can watch the baseball <laughs> game, then go eat fried oysters at the Fish House. And I got to tell you, you know, we had uh, Georgia State on here, and if you listened or saw that Georgia State Auburn game last year, Georgia they got State hosed by the SEC officials. Man, it was hosed. it was so it was embarrassing. It was terrible. I mean, we didn't have any skin in the game, but how no, how could terrible. Auburn walk off the field feeling like they won they that game? Butt kicked by they got their butt kicked by Georgia State. And Georgia we need to 
they should have won the game. Yeah. But I think I was literally like one or two years old, but both you guys indicated we were all fair talking about this. The the year that um, my dad was there, and my dad has not been back to Auburn, Alabama since this game. He's kept his promise. Uh, Steve Clark, we, we moved down the field. Steve Clark was set to kick the field goal, and, and what happened, guys? Well, uh, they, Game-winning field goal. We they should, they get in position to uh, kick the field goal. Uh, the play ends. Auburn is laying on top of the football. The Golden Eagles rush to the line of scrimmage, line up, get the place-kicking team in place. Everybody on Southern Miss is ready to go. Auburn is still laying on the football, and the SEC officials stand there and watch the clock expire with Auburn players laying on the football. True story. I'm on the sidelines. Jim Carmody had been giving them an earful all night. The SEC officials blew the game whistle, turned around, started sprinting toward the the tunnel at the end of the field. Jim Carmody is sprinting full speed behind them, calling them, you come here, you sorry, blank, 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 right. blank. And he wasn't talking well about their mother. But but you know, old Big Nasty could could still get down that field. He, he was moving that night, buddy. <laughs> hey, speaking of somebody that can, can run, happy birthday, Jim Stump Taylor. Oh, today. Stumpster. God, is he still around? Stumpster. That's yeah, you know, he's, he's such a great guy. The only problem is he went to cut the cake and he missed it to the left. Oh, no. Bob, it's awful. Yikes. We love you, Stump. We love you, Stump. Yeah, we, we do, do love you. Happy birthday to one of the great, 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 great guys, Stump Taylor. That's, that's good stuff. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 from Ramey Motors and Purvis. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.